It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on Monday, August 5th. That's right. Welcome to August, Galaxy fans. And to start off August, the LA Galaxy promptly went out and lost 3 to nothing to Atlanta United with a whole bunch of weirdness in this game and, uh, and probably some disappointment from the Galaxy side. So we're going to talk about that. That'll be a big portion of this show. Of course, we're also going to discuss uh, Christian Pavone, actually in Los Angeles, but not yet on the LA Galaxy roster. We'll discuss why that is and what hurdles the LA Galaxy still have to overcome on that. And then we're also taking a look at a whole bunch of stats, trying to answer the question, are the LA Galaxy good? Are the LA Galaxy bad? Are the LA Galaxy inconsistent? Are the LA Galaxy mediocre? What are the LA Galaxy? All those questions hopefully answered for you, or at least more questions arise from them and no answers whatsoever. But to help me do all that is the man, the myth, the legend himself. It is Mr. Kevin Baxter. Hey, Kevin, how's it going, buddy? Hey, you know what? The panda was in New England this weekend. Oh, the panda? We went back to see our two favorite, everyone's two favorite, former Galaxy coaches, Bruce Arena and Kurt Onafo. I was going to say, you had a, you had a little family reunion there almost. It, it was, yeah, it was and nice. I still have not seen a Kurt Onafo team win on the road. Well, on the road for me. Yes. Um, he was home at New England. But uh, when I went to see them train, I got an actual behind-the-scenes look at training. I got to go in before the rest of the media did. Bruce invited me in, and... As soon as I walked into the stadium, they trained at the main on the main stadium. As soon as I walked in, Kurt Anafo came over and said, "No media, try to get me thrown out." <laughs> I think he was kidding because I, I did get to stay. But um, it, yeah, Bruce is all of a sudden Bruce Arena is all of a sudden a huge Patriots fan. By the way, I, I was going to say I, I would imagine he'd have to be. That's probably the requirement of that job. Well, he, uh, you know, as, as everybody knows, he's a huge Yankee fan, grew up a Yankee fan. And and so he went to a uh, Red Sox Yankee game, sat in in Robert Kraft's booth or, or suite or whatever you call it at right. Fenway Park. He said he loved Fenway Park. Now he's, he's, he's a Red Sox fan, too. He said he's true for the Red Sox, uh, except when they're playing the Yankee. Right. That's I mean, that's 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 isn't that fair? Isn't that what you yeah, would expect? I mean, I, I just I, I just I, it was funny to see Bruce fall. Uh, in love so quickly for both the Red Sox and and New England uh, Patriots. He's bought a condominium. They're actually building it. He um, is uh, he's going to move into a place. I think it's called Seaport Village, something like that, uh, in Boston, um, where some of the Patriot players live. See, I told you, he's a Patriot fan. Right. And he sold his place in Manhattan Beach in uh, half a day. He said. Wow. So so he's gone. He's he's out of here. Yep. He's he's an East Coast Bruce now. That, which he was always an East Coast Bruce. Let's be. Yeah. Honest. They had the home in Charlottesville, Virginia, and, and that's where his wife Phyllis is now, and she's going to join him in New England or in Boston rather in, in a couple of weeks. But I was surprised. You know, I thought he might keep the house out here because his son Kenny, who's an assistant with LAFC, uh, still lives there, and they uh, Bruce has a grandson there. But I wonder if that uh, suggests that perhaps Kenny Arena could be on the move after this season. I don't. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? That's that's one of those that's like, you know, he's probably he's his own man now. I mean, you know, that's it. He can do whatever he wants. He could he could stay wherever he wants. And he, he got a job without Bruce, um, you know, now where where he's at LAFC for, in my mind. So, you know, give the guy some credit, a little bit of credit. He doesn't have to follow his dad everywhere. No, he doesn't. It's just I, I, I know Bruce. Uh, we all remember Bruce carrying uh, his grandson around after that, one of those MLS yep. Cup victories. So, you know how close they are Yeah, for him to just say. I'm out of here. I'm not even coming back for Christmas. That just seemed a little, yeah. a little strange. I think I think that's his uh, Wade. Isn't that Wade? His is his grandson. 
I could yeah. I swear that's at, well, yeah, I remember Wade was at a couple press conferences whenever we were, of course, covering Bruce during MLS Cups and everything else. So that was fun. All right. Oh, remember MLS Cups. <laughs> such I a, remember those. Such a good time. You know, just for that, you're going to you're going to get you're going to get this wonderful thing. Welcome to Panda and Pato's Morning Zoo. Pato. 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 And Panda. Panda. In the morning. Panda and Pato in the morning. God, that's horrible. No, I missed that as much as the MLS Cup. Oh my, that's just somebody. One of our one of our listeners actually asked us to play that. Can you believe that? I yes, can't believe that. A very smart listener. Clearly. No, there's just there's. And besides, you know what? This is not in the morning. Well, you could be listening in the morning, I suppose. But we're recording in, late in the afternoon. We don't have Panda and Pato in the late afternoon, though. We only we only got Pat, Pato and Panda in the morning. That was the bit. That was that was what we we're trying to do. All well, right. Well, yeah, because no, there's no evening zoo radio. It's there's, all morning zoo. It's right? all morning zoo. That's right. People still listen to the radio. I don't know. I, do I, they still read newspapers? I, would, I know they don't do that. Uh, yeah, they they stopped doing that a long time ago. No, yeah. they they should they should be listening to podcasts now, right? That's what the new radio is it's podcast because you get what you want when you want it and right now they yeah. want some galaxy talk so we should we probably should do a podcast we, you should... And I, we should get together and do a pod <laughs> that's a what good do you think? i don't know if anybody will listen <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, LA Galaxy at Atlanta United. Oh, the Galaxy, yeah. Yeah. Back to them. Three nothing loss. Um, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I'm going to give you some positives out of this game. And the Galaxy outscored Atlanta two to one. I was there gonna, you go. I was going to say the Galaxy actually kept Atlanta off the board from the run of play. Um, they did. Which is which is interesting. I don't know. Can you call an own goal a goal in the run of play? It's not if really. I was David Bingham, I would start watching my defenders instead of the opponents. That, They're that, more dangerous than the opponents. I was going to say that might be a good idea in, in general, uh, in, in just in the way this game went. But two own goals in this game, penalty kick, which I'm going to call dubious. I still don't think it was a penalty kick. Uh, nobody thought it was a penalty kick whenever it happened, by the way. Uh, you know, my, my good friend, friend, uh, Dave Denholm, who was, uh, who I point out is the original, L, uh, galaxy podcaster, uh, the original guy who had the first podcast ever covering the LA galaxy, Dave Denholm, uh, of course took that chance to point out to me that, uh, VAR is stupid and broken. And I pointed out that the referees are stupid and broken in most cases. Um, and that continues with that particular call, but anyway, three, nothing. Uh, that's the, the final score. It goes down. I'm going to start off with some positives. And somebody said, I forget, it was on Twitter or Reddit. They said, I don't want to hear any positives from this game. There's nothing good you can take from this game. And in general, I agree because the positives are limited. They're minor, Kevin. The, you know, there's no Zlatan Ibrahimovic to finish chances in here. So the LA Galaxy knew that they had to be clinical. They knew that they had to do a whole bunch of things right in order to be successful. And um, they didn't do them. Uh, bottom line. So, I mean, you know, the positives that I'm going to give here are, are are very limited. But Guillermo Barrascoleto, Kevin, goes with a 4-3-3 uh, formation, or what at least we're going to call a 4-3-3 formation. I'm not sure that's how they played. Um, but there was Fabio Alvarez, uh, Oriel Antuna, Sebastian Legette, Jonathan Dos Santos, Perry Kitchen, Joe Corona, uh, Jorgen Shelvick, Dave Romney. Uh, you had Pipo Gonzalez and then Rolf Felcher on that back line and David Bingham in goal. So the big changes here. Everybody knew that Zlatan wasn't playing. Everybody knew that Diego Polento wasn't playing. Efrain Alvarez also suspended for this game. But the big change here that was on the defensive side was Dave Romney starting for Dan Steris. Um, we can certainly take a take a quick whack at why that possibly could be, Kevin, because we know there's a couple things in the favor of this move, and one of them is that Dan Steris didn't have a great game against Portland. Everybody acknowledges that. I think even Dan acknowledges that. But... For Guillermo Barrascoloto to really have no sort of uh, faith in Dave Romney throughout this entire season, to see him start in one of the biggest games where you knew the defense was going to be under um, a lot of pressure, 
was at least a little head-scratching to some people. Well, I have heard from other uh, MLS teams that Dave Romney is somebody that teams are interested in. Uh, trade talks have been had, how far they've gone, whether it's just like, hey, what's up with Dave Romney? Would you guys trade him? And whether that's the, the extent of it or whether they've actually really talked terms. Um, Dave Romney is somebody that other teams are interested in. He's relatively uh, reasonably priced. He's extremely versatile, can play all four positions. I think he's really good. I mean, I know we've talked, you just mentioned Guillermo has no confidence in him, but I, I think Dave is a pretty solid guy. He's not going to remake, you're not going to remake your team around him. He's not that kind of an acquisition, but I think he would help a lot of teams down the stretch, and they have until Wednesday to make this deal. Now, uh, I when I saw that, my first thought was that the Galaxy were showcasing him. They were letting other teams uh, you know, see how what kind of fitness and form that he was in. Um, and the Galaxy do, if they're going to do, we're going to talk about the Pavone thing in a little bit, but they have two big needs with Pavone. One is an international slot, and there just seems to be, they, they do seem to have some flexibility on how they could create an international slot to bring Pavone in. But they also need a ton of TAM money to make this work under the salary cap. Um, trading Dave Romney for TAM money or for allocation money um, might be something the Galaxy have to do. Clearly, he's not going to play a lot under Guillermo. Um, so yeah. I think it's something the Galaxy are explaining. Can we say that definitively? No, because no, no one's going to tell us that. And, and the, the Galaxy do have sort of the fallback of, yeah, Polenta wasn't there. We needed another uh, another defender, and Steros had a real bad game against Portland, so we decided to give Dave Romney the shot. But it also did look to me like like it might be something that, that they were allowing other teams to see Dave in a game. I, I can play the flip side of that, by the way. It also could possibly make sense. It could also possibly make sense that Dan Steris is the one on the trade block and not Dave Romney because you don't trade a piece that could get hurt if you're going to need it. And so Dan Steris doesn't start, but Dave Romney does start. See, Ooh. that's where you bring all that logic into this. Yeah, I know. Well, hey, listen, um, I'm actually with you on the whole Romney front. I actually think they were highlighting him for a possible move. Um, but I am not counting out the fact that Dan Steris could also be on the trade block. Um, he is a domestic player. Uh, he's been very good. He could help almost any back line in Major League Soccer, and he's been, as we've said many times, the Galaxy's most consistent defender in 2019. Uh, he has forced Guillermo Berescalota to start him whenever he went out and basically got two guys to replace him. Uh, Dan Steris has done everything that they've asked for, and it would be interesting to see if uh, if perhaps Steris, who I would guarantee you fetches a higher price than Dave Romney right now, uh, it's very interesting to see Steris not start, and what we know uh, doesn't seem to be any injury concerns or anything like that. Now, it could just be rotation as well. Dan Stairs has played a lot of minutes um, and, you know, playing on turf the week before. Maybe they decided to give him. Maybe he wasn't 100, 100%, and they said, let's start Dave Romney instead. But anyway, we'll talk more about that whenever we talk about uh, Christian Pavone and why he's here and all the stuff the Galaxy still need to do. But, well, before uh, you move on from that, I mean, it, it's, it's really interesting you bring that up. I mean, it, you kind of, like... Uh... You could have told me that ahead of time because I, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> Steris is older, um, but is also a much more of an offensive threat. Romney is is three years younger, but he's more versatile because he can play anywhere on the back line. Um, it, interesting. I can see um, depending on the team, you know, you would definitely want one over the other. Um, uh, and, and I totally get why you would not want to play Dan Steris on turf if you were about to trade him. Yeah. Um, very interesting. I hadn't thought the Steris angle through, just, but that's just, a really good one. Just blew your mind, didn't I? I did. I did. All you right. did. Panda Someone did. Panto in the morning.
There we go. A little, a little mind-blown uh, music for you there. All right. Um, now, let's get to this actual game in Atlanta. Uh, obviously, the 3-0 scoreline tells you sort of what happened, but really, it's the heartbreak within this 3-0 scoreline, Kevin. It's the two own goals in the first half of this game. Uh, the own goal from Dave Romney. One Gorm- by Romney. Yeah, one by Dave Romney. That's what says. Somebody said, you, I think you tweeted out and said, it looks like the Galaxy might be highlighting Romney you know, for a, uh, for a possible move. And I said, well, he did score a goal, so there's something. Yeah. Um, so Dave Romney gets the first own goal. Uh, people Gonzalez gets the second own goal. And for all these people who screamed, this is why I don't like Dave Romney, you know, the same people who were screaming, this is why I don't like Dan Starez last week in the Portland game. Uh, I'll tell you that both of these own goals, in uh, fact, Romney and Gonzalez really aren't either of their faults. Um, these are two guys who are coming back facing their own goal after poor outside back play has left people exposed. Uh, Jorgen Shelvick was poor in this game, but that's pretty much par for the course whenever he plays. Uh, Rolf Felcher was missing in action for most of this game. And a lot of this hinges around a, a couple different things that I saw from this Galaxy team. I'll tell you one thing, Kevin. You look at the halftime stats on this, and they're almost even in terms of chances created. I think both teams created seven chances in that first half. Um, The LA Galaxy didn't convert a single one, obviously. Uh, Atlanta didn't convert really a single one um, outside of the two own goals. So you look at the the own goals and what happened, and Guillermo Berescoloto said that whenever he came in at halftime that he thought this game was actually pretty even, Kevin. Um, I I would tend to... I want to believe him, I would say it wasn't even, uh, Atlanta was a little bit better, but it wasn't like this huge giant switch that would have been, you know, that, that was, that he was off. I mean, if you're going to give, it's probably like, you know, 60-40 or maybe even 55-45, um, in terms of how I would split that, it's really close in terms of how they played the first half. I actually think the first half, the Galaxy played really well. They were unlucky not to not score any goals. I thought Antuna did a good job of chasing in behind Atlanta's uh, uh, defense and, and could have had probably a couple goals. But ultimately, what killed them was that nobody on that team could finish. Um, and if they finished any of those chances, this isn't a 3 nothing game. Um, you know, to me. Now, having said all that, there's so much bad in this game um, that really hurts, and a lot of it evolves, in my mind, around tactics, Kevin. We talked about the 4-3-3 formation, something we know Guillermo likes to play in. This seems like the ultimate formation the Galaxy will eventually play in whenever Zlatan yeah, Ibrahimovic moves on. Yeah, um, you know, they didn't have the personnel for this. The problem was that with the top three, let's talk about the top three, Fabio Alvarez, Uriel Antuna, and Sebastian Legette. All right, so what happened almost the entire night was that Alvarez and Legette dropped back into the midfield and paired with Dos Santos and Corona, so that way it was more of a four-man midfield, um, and then that left Perry Kitchen. So they're playing more of a 4-1-4-1 than they were a 4-3-3, and so when Antuna got the ball as the lone striker up there, he had nobody to play with. Um, and Oriel Antuna is, you know, the, the guy who falls over at the slightest breeze. Um, so the physicality of the back line from um, from Atlanta, whether that was Robinson or Pogba or Escobar, um, just played him off the ball, you know, constantly. And his flopping and diving around bought him no time, uh, bought him no uh, sort of grace from the referee either. I didn't think he was fouled on most of the plays that he went down on. So really, you had a a lightweight uh, striker that was playing all by himself without any support from Alvarez or Legette. Um, and, and that's the story to me. That's the difference in this game is that if Antuna had a strike partner up there or if he had support from Legette or Alvarez, you might see the LA Galaxy actually convert one of these chances. But every chance the Galaxy got was more or less an Antuna on the island um, and a good ball beat him in behind. And most of that happened in the first half and none of it happened in the second half. 
Yeah, it, it just this is where they're going. This is the formation they're going to play, and we'll talk about Pavone and how he fits into that in a minute. But it, it did seem like Guillermo tried to force them to play this formation, as you said, without having the personnel and, and really apparently without having a clear idea of what he wanted them to do with it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. There's there's nothing there for me. Um, you know, in many ways, it's uh, it was a failure in tactics. Um, it was also a failure in patience for me. Uh, you know, I, I don't like listening to the national coverage of the LA Galaxy. And one of the reasons I don't is I think that everybody falls into the, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic needs to do everything on this team. And we don't know what the Galaxy are. And if you've been watching them every game, we do know what the Galaxy are. They're an inconsistent team. Um, they're a team that has no patience. They're a team that is all gas and no break. Um, and, and the bottom line is that Guillermo Berchelot deserves this loss more than anybody else. It's certainly not on the own goals. Um, but, you know, having to put Shelvick and Felcher in there, you have to give those guys one job. Because Felcher and Shelvick are not capable of doing the two-way job that Guillermo Berchelot is trying to put them into. Uh, trying to create offense on those outside from the outside back, Shelvick and Felcher, pressing them into the attack. Uh, you could see it. The Galaxy would do a good job of passing through the attacking third uh, they would do a good job of almost getting to that shot and then there would be a turnover and whenever there was a turnover all of a sudden there were seven players who were behind the ball or basically in front of the ball as Atlanta quickly countered the first goal was three passes uh, three passes that found the space in behind Jorgen Shelvick who had been pressing forward Shelvick was late to cover the corner uh, Romney doing what he's supposed to do which is moving in towards that front post and trying to cover the space and there were people over Romney's shoulder outside of Gonzalez and right in that area so that ball that gets crossed in is a dangerous ball and needs to be attacked but Shelvick doesn't pressure or even try to move the attacker off of that cross. Um, and because of that, it's a dangerous ball, and Romney deflects it in the back of his net. It's the same thing on the other side with Felcher, really, except that Felcher was almost in the right position there. The ball was just a good pass in behind him. Uh, he's slow to react. He doesn't cut it off, and Gonzalez is actually a little more at fault than Romney in this. Gonzalez is about a half step behind his his cover there, and I think it was Joseph Martinez who was off his back shoulder. Uh, but Gonzalez has to intervene on that. If he doesn't, you know, Joseph Martinez scores. Um, so that's that, that's where it is. Those were the two own goals. And the fact that that happens, you know, once in the 23rd minute uh, and, and sort of took a lot of the wind out of the, of the sails for the Galaxy, who, again, I thought were a good attacking team in the first 45 minutes. And then the one in the 43rd minute really kills that game. That game's over in the 43rd minute. And the Galaxy don't respond coming out of halftime either. And whether that's good adjustments by Atlanta United or however you want to see it, the chances they created in the first half don't get created in the second half. And because of that... Um, you go and look at the stats, and the stats end up lopsided, Kevin. I mean, 20 to 11 on shots, uh, 7 to 4 of shots on target. Um, you know, the, the, the possession isn't bad in terms of the Galaxy being on the road and what they were trying to do. Um, I would have liked to seen the Galaxy be a little more direct in some cases, but when you look at this, it's just it's a poor performance on the road, and maybe it's a game they're not supposed to win, Kevin, not without Zlatan and not without anybody else, but it just seems to me like they had the chances in this game, and, and they blew it. Well, you know, you're right to mention you talk about they having seven players in front of the ball. They've given up 12 goals in their last four games, seven goals in their last two games, and a lot of those in the last two games against Portland and Atlanta, more than half of them for sure, came at the end of counterattacks yeah. um, where the, the Galaxy are just slow to react. They have too many people in front of the ball. And um, maybe this is not a fair criticism because the game was even in the first half, even if the score was 2 nothing. 
Um, but it, it does seem to me that going into the halftime locker room, I mean, we've seen Ziggy last season, I thought, made some good halftime adjustments at times. Um, you know, Bruce was good at that. Dominic did it uh, in his uh, short stint as interim coach. Guillermo seems to kind of have that deer in the headlights look when things aren't going the right way. He doesn't really seem to have any tactical uh, ideas, uh, any any switches that he's made. At least I can't remember any where the Galaxy have played poorly or, or played one way at one half and made tactical changes in the middle of the game that turned the game around. Sometimes he'll put a player in that will do that, but as far as tactically changing the formation or playing the way the team plays, I, I don't know if we've seen that from Guillermo this year. Um, and certainly the fact that he, his team keeps getting beat up the field on the counterattacks would seem to indicate that maybe we need to have a, a faster player in there like a, like a Araujo or even Traore, or, or maybe we, you know, they need to change formation because they need to have somebody back there when these teams counterattack. Yeah, in my mind, it's it's again, it's it's all gas and no break for for Guillermo. And it's here's the problem: is now you're losing two nothing, Kevin. Right? It's like what tactical adjustments can you make? You're already going, you know, all out. Your balls to the wall. You have the throttle pegged. Um, which is how the Galaxy play. It's one of the reasons the Galaxy have, you know, one draw on the season and a whole bunch of wins and a whole bunch of losses. And we can go into that a lot more detail, but it's one of the reasons it's all or nothing. And in my mind, this is a game that should have been preaching patience. Uh, you didn't have a striker who was capable of taking on three defenders or really even creating his own shot. Uh, for as much praise as Antuna got you know, during the Gold Cup, uh, he scored against inferior opponents, and he didn't create most of those chances. They were created by other good players, and he was in the right place at the right time, which is a great skill. But in this particular game, you needed somebody who was going to be able to create something. Um, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic can create his own shot. Uh, that's not going to happen in this game, not with Antuna up top. And so for me, it, it's a waste in that formation. Now, if you wanted to say, hey, Sebastian Legette or Fabio Alvarez, I want you to be up on the line with this guy. I want you to be pressing the back line. It could have been three against three on that back line. You could have had some good odd man rushes. And I think the Galaxy did okay in transition in the first half. I liked it. Um, I actually think that one of the biggest positives from this is that the Galaxy's high press in the first half worked great. Um, put a whole bunch of pressure on Atlanta, caused some disruptions, created chances. All those things are what you expected from this. But in my mind, putting Antuna up there is is a wasted position for him. Um, if he's going to play by himself, he didn't have the speed for separation and he doesn't have the creativity to create shots. So for me, it's a loss in that position. So if you're going to be in a, a loss in that position, if you realize that you're not going to be able to create that way, then you need to drop guys back into the midfield. You need Sebastian Legette and Fabio Alvarez to play more in the midfield. You need Jonathan Dos Santos to t tuck in besides Perry Kitchen. You know, you need Joe Corona to stay a little bit more at home and you needed to bunker in on this because you knew that you were going to try to, you know, take a point here. But in my mind, Guillermo Barrascoleta went out there and tried to win that game. And in trying to win the game, he loses the game. Um, now, some people can argue that, you know, that's that's a better scenario in terms of trying to always win a game. But but Kevin, there's there's a difference between, you know, going out there and trying to win every single game and sometimes just sitting back and trying to see what the game will give you. Um, if it's zero zero with, you know, 15 minutes left, go out and try to win that game. But you need it to be 0-0 with 15 minutes left and not three nothing with 15 minutes left um, in order to have a chance there. You know, you talk about the inconsistency of the Galaxy. And they're a team with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You know, they score a lot of goals, or they're supposed to score a lot of goals. And it's an offensive-minded coach with one of the best players in soccer history on the team. Now, granted, he wasn't in the Atlanta game, but I'm talking more generally about the season, their inconsistency. You know, only three of 24 teams, what is it, 24 teams in the league? Three of 24 teams 
have scored fewer goals in the Galaxy. The Galaxy have 30 goals. Columbus is 25, Vancouver 25, Cincinnati 23. So the Galaxy at the bottom of the league in, in goals scored. You mentioned uh, they're, they're all pedaling or all gas and no break, which, by the way, I think is a pretty good line. I'm going to have to steal that. That's pretty good. Um, they have 12 wins. Only one team, only LAFC has more than 12 wins in the Galaxy. But they have 10 losses. That's in the bottom half of the league. Very few teams have have uh, have 10 losses this season. Their goal differential, minus four, I think 15 teams are better than that. So you look at the Galaxy in the playoff hunt with all those with those 12 wins, but then the 10 losses, and as you mentioned, the one draw, they seem to play, as you said, they're playing to win. And, uh, you know, maybe when you're playing on the road in a, against a team that's only lost once this season, an MLS record crowd for a regular season game, 73,000 plus. 75,000. 75,000 plus. On the turf, maybe that's a game where, you know what, one point would have looked really good. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I have no problem going for wins, um, but you have to be in a position um, to be in to get those wins whenever you whenever you get the chance and the galaxy are putting themselves you know behind it, it, you know there's another part of this and I guess you could argue the counterpoint to it would be hey if you score first then you can put a lot of pressure on Atlanta to sort of steal that game and yeah there's something to that but I still think you need to be selective with your chances going forward you can't just be all out and the galaxy and I think he, even Guillermo mentions this whenever he talks to us after games Kevin which is we need to choose when to go forward we need to understand when the time to go forward is and understand that there's times to sit back as well and I don't see the Galaxy being smart enough right now tactically as a team to be able to sit back um, and absorb and understand again in my mind this is a game where yeah you let Uriel and Tuna high press for you and if a chance comes up and you had some in the first half then you try to convert those and if not you'd be very very careful knowing that you have you know Pity Martinez and Joseph Martinez um, and Ezekiel Barco all these dangerous uh, you know boots for for Atlanta you, you need to be careful with those. You can't just say, oh, yeah, we're going to let you run at our back line in transition because a back line in transition is the easiest one to beat. And whenever you have defenders like Jorgen Shelvick and, and Rolf Felcher who just continuously get out of position and don't get back in time, again, maybe a result of, of Gamera Barish-Galoto and his tactics and what he wants to do, but the bottom line is they're not getting back. They're going to get beat. And when they get beat, you have stuff uh, that really creates dangerous chances. And both of those own goals, we can, we can laugh and say, hey, the Galaxy scored those, but that comes off of Atlanta pressure, Kevin. And the Atlanta pressure was there because Atlanta was creating that pressure and they were creating it off the counterattack. And it's a broken record at this point. And Scalotto, you know, either needs to be slapped upside the head and said, say, hey, you know, this keeps happening. Try to fix it. He knows it keeps happening. He mentioned it. Um, but at the same time, there's nothing's being fixed with it. And it just seems to me that you wasted a good first half in this really by allowing your back line to come under too much counterattack pressure again. Galaxy now have lost two in a row, as you mentioned, first time since April, right? Yeah, since yeah. April, or, or May, I guess they lost two. May. First time since May they lost two in a row. They have lost nine of their last 15. They have done that twice uh, since 2007. They did it in 2007, and they did it uh, during Colonel Nafo season in 2017. So the fact that they've lost 9 of 15 is really rare. They've been shut out in their last two. Um, they've only been shut out in consecutive games twice this season, the last two, and during that losing streak in May. Um, it, you know, it's not they're, they're going the wrong way, and it's only going to get tougher because they have uh, this – when they play D.C. United, they have to make another cross-country trip, and I believe that you mentioned uh, they'll be coming back on a charter – uh, from that using one of their charter flights be difficult schedule where they have three MLS games in one week followed by the league's cup game 
with Cruz Azul at home. Um, so the scheduling gets tougher, and the, the three teams are going to play during that little streak. They start with D.C. United on the road. Then they have Dallas and Seattle, both uh, teams in, in playoff contention at home before they play Cruz Azul, and then they go to Bank of California for LAFC. So it's a real difficult stretch coming up for a team that is really on their back heel right now. Yeah, and no, I didn't mention that. That was off the air. So that's my... The, so I get the, the LA Galaxy... You get credit for that. Yeah, the, go ahead. the LA Galaxy will charter back from DC United because no of way, the busy... Really? Yeah, surprise! Surprise! Wow. Yeah, awesome. That definitely caused somebody to crash their car this time. I'm guaranteed that was that was too loud. I apologize. It was it was uncalled for. And no, that was good. Um, by the way, yes. Speaking of, speaking of charters, I think I brought that up, and then you stole my thunder. But yes. in any case, that is going to be. I, we know for a fact now that the the MLS um, players union representatives met with uh, reporters at the MLS All Star Game in Orlando and talked about the contract negotiations. I've heard from a lot of players. I think we talked about this before that. The, the likelihood that there will be a delay to the start of next season is, is very high. A lot of people, players now, are even expecting that that will happen. Among the issues uh, that are uh, on the table and are causing contention are, of course, salaries, free agency. The players are still not happy with the free agency agreement they, they came to in the last collective bargaining agreement. But a big issue now, and it's rising quickly, is the, the issue of charter flights. Teams want more charter flights, if not all charter flights. I, th I think you can look at the schedule and say, look, DC United doesn't need a charter to go to Philadelphia or they don't need one to go to New England or, or whatever. The Galaxy don't need one to go to San Jose. But when you when the Galaxy have back-to-back -back trips to the East Coast, Atlanta, then they have to come home, then they have to go back to DC, you know, you're losing a day of training each time you do that. And with the con condensed schedule that MLS has forced on these teams because they've added Leagues Cup, because they – They've tried to condense the schedule to, so that the playoffs don't interfere with the FIFA international break. This is all MLS condensing the schedule and forcing these teams, uh, you know, to make these long cross-country trips in the middle of a very busy time of their season. Uh, MLS has to relent on this. I'm totally with the players. I mean, right now they have four charter segments, and a segment is if you – not that you would ever do this with a charter flight, but if you – fly from here to Kansas City and then Kansas City to D.C., that's two flights. That's not one charter flight. Even if you use the same plane and it's the same trip, that's two charter flights. So teams are allowed four of those a year, and they don't reset for the playoffs. So you have four, including the playoffs. A lot of teams save their charter flights for the playoffs. Um, but you, you just can't do that. You lose training days. We saw the Galaxy, like a lot of teams, I think probably half the MLS teams have had a travel delay where their commercial flight was delayed or forced to land somewhere else, and it caused teams to travel day of game. That's now a competitive issue. Yeah. That means the players are not rested and they're not performing up to their best. There's an injury element with that if they're fatigued. Uh, are not well rested, are not well hydrated. As we said, they're traveling back. They miss a day of training uh, in the middle of the season. That could be, uh, you know, a really dangerous thing. Um, not dangerous in that someone's going to get hurt, but dangerous as, you know, as far as a team trying to play well. So that is an issue that's going to come up. The game. I'm glad the Galaxy is winning their charter flights for this. It's very important for them to get back and, and get prepared in time. It's a night game on a Sunday right. at, at DC United. So. But something's going to have to happen with this, and I think the players are united in 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 going to MLS and saying, "Look, this this can't continue." Yeah, if you want to, uh, you know, uh, Sophie and I talked about it on Thursday, and we talked about the big issues that were brought up in the charter flights, and I think the charter flights are a big issue. I also think that they're going to use it uh, to negotiate on the other things that they want, and they may end up giving away, giving way to uh, to a huge increase in charter flights and maybe a more modest one. But I was sort of proposing, hey, if the flight is longer than like sixty minutes, if it's scheduled flight is longer 
longer than 60 minutes or 90 minutes, then it's you should be able to charter for it. Um, I, I would go I would go two hours. I think the Galaxy can fly to Colorado Commercial, Portland, Seattle, Vancouver. Um, yeah, I, you know, anything longer than that, though, Chicago, uh, Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, certainly East Coast. I think you, you need to have um, I think you need to have charter flights and maybe they can do something. I, I don't know what the cost with it. I mean, a charter flight can cost eighty thousand uh, dollars. Commercial flights are much cheaper. But you have a team like the Galaxy. I mean, the premier team in MLS history. Right. These are the New York Yankees of MLS. I know for a fact they fly Southwest more than any other airline because of the baggage policy, that they don't have to pay for extra baggage. I mean, when you have the best team in MLS flying on Southwest, which is a fine airline, I use it too, but the reason is because they can fly with free bags. I mean, that should tell you something right there. And, and maybe MLS will get into the situation where they're going to say, okay, um, LA, you know, LA Galaxy, you can take a charter flight to D.C., but then you're going to stay on the East Coast and play – DC, you're going to stay there and play Philadelphia and maybe another game. And then you use charter flights, you know, commercial flights for that or train or whatever. And then you come back. Maybe maybe part of the solution is for the MLS to get a little bit smarter about their scheduling. Because you look at this, they, you know, the Galaxy go to Atlanta, come back. They go to DC United, come back. It's the same thing. LAFC has a similar thing where um, they've had to make, you know, two East Coast trips within the span of a week. Why not just stay back there? Why not schedule a Friday and a and a Wednesday game, right? And let the team stay back there. Yeah, I mean that's always that's always tough too because then you have to house the team on the road, those types of things. I mean, th- listen, there's costs in all of it. Um, I, I personally think that if you're asking, you know, five hundred or five hundred and fifty million dollars for an expansion fee, uh, that your league probably should be able to support flying on charters and and doing it the professional way. But you know, hey, maybe that's just me. I just know that the uh, the Atlanta flight's a long flight for uh, for the LA Galaxy getting all the way over there, coming all the way back. The LA Galaxy uh, arrived back in LA on a commercial flight uh, on Sunday, so they played on Saturday uh, and then basically traveled all day Sunday in order to get back. Um, and so that was the plan. In uh, like we said, DC United, the plan is that uh, they will play in DC United and then charter back from that game. Well, if you've never, we've all flown commercial. I just flew back from. Boston commercial flight. It was six hours. And, you know, you get off and you're, you're sore and the food that you get on the plane is not the healthiest and it's crowded and there's a lot of noise. You can't sleep. There, we've all been in commercial flights. We know how that works and how long it takes you to recover from that. Um, I've actually got to fly charter a couple of times with the U.S. national team. And let me tell you, it is a totally different mode of transportation. Um, you know, you can have the food catered. The Dodgers, for example, used to have their, their flights catered by Whole Foods. You know, you can have you can choose the food you can, you want. It, it can, you know, have healthy options. Uh, you know, the, the flights are quiet. You can stretch out. You can sleep. There's it, it, it really, you know, people who think, oh, well, it's just for comfort's sake. It really does make a lot of difference. And I can I can totally buy the player's argument that, look, when we come back, it takes us a day to recover from that. And then we got to cover from the game as well. It's difficult. I'm totally on the player's side with this one. Yeah, that seems like the thing. Uh, let's see. Thoughts uh, after... Uh, the LA Galaxy's loss from uh, Guillermo Barrascoletto. He said, and I quote, I think the first half was even. I think nobody had an advantage over the other team, but we made two own goals and gave them the possibility to be more relaxed and have a little more of the ball, but the game was very even. In the second half, we couldn't manage the ball and try to score to do something in the game. I think the last 45 minutes, I'm not very happy with the team. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, well, why not? I, I thought the, um, Jonathan Dos Santos was even more pointed. Um he talked about, and he's mentioned this before, that this is something that he uh, is serious about when he talks about being the galaxy. So we're the galaxy. We have to give more. 
uh, starting with me, the captain, we have to correct a lot of things, small details, little things that you teach when you're a kid, basic things that sometimes you don't do and those cost you games. That's pretty uh, solid criticism from Jonathan, putting the blame on himself as well, but talking about, hey, these are things that we learn as kids and we're not doing them and we're playing in the MLS. Yeah. I know it's uh, I don't know. I got a I got a message from somebody and they said, you know, uh, Giovanni Dos Santos played pretty good down there for uh, for Club America and his game. So uh, so maybe Jonathan Dos Santos wants to move on out of uh, Galaxy Land and head down to uh, Liga MX back with his brother again. Reunite once again. Um, so, well, you know, let's not drink the Kool-Aid on Gio <laughs> because go back and look at his stats. His I know. first year with every team he is, uh, you know, he pledges uh, allegiance to that team and he loves being there and he's a great teammate and he shows up for training early. Let's talk about him next year and see where he is. I just, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid yet. I just thought that one was funny. That was a good one. All right. So uh, we closed the book on Atlanta, um, really an LA galaxy performance that leaves a lot to be desired. Um, Kevin, you, you rightfully said, you know, momentum doesn't seem to work for this LA galaxy team. So I doubt this will hurt them overall, uh, but they will have to go and travel all the way across the country again. Uh, whenever they take on DC United at Audi field, on Sunday, August 11th. It's a 4.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff here um, on the West Coast. Um, and that game is, I believe, on Fox Sports 1. It says Fox, Fox Sports 1, but usually when they list Fox Sports 1, it means that it's on Fox Sports 1 um, and not the, uh, the the major Fox, as was the case for this last game uh, in Atlanta. Uh, I'll say this as well. The LA Galaxy, what, had a nationally televised game uh, against LAFC. They had a nationally televised game in the League's Cup against Tijuana. Uh, they had a nationally televised game against Atlanta and now they're going to have a nationally televised game again against uh, DC United so uh, some interesting things there and of course speaking of DC United Kevin some interesting things going on in our well, nation's you know, capital they've only won two of their last 13 games so this is good timing it, it for, is it, it is unless perhaps DC United signs a new player or something I was going to I was going to say let's talk a little Ola Ola, hi to you, Josh. Yes, yes. Ola, Ola to you too, Kevin. No, Ola Kamara. Oh, uh, that Ola. That Ola. Ola Kamara to DC United seems to be a thing. It seems to be happening. Kamara, it was in our nation's capital. Uh, of course, you'll remember Ola Kamara just seven months ago was transferred by the LA Galaxy to China. Uh, yeah, Ola was saying ni hao. He, he was, at least for a little while. Uh, so he was he was traveling to China. He was uh, the Galaxy apparently got three point five million dollars in the transfer fee, uh, and Kamara was supposed to receive a three million dollar per per year salary. But it doesn't seem like all things went to plan in China, Kevin. He played five games. Yeah, and I, he played five games, and I think I heard that he was actually down with their second division team uh, as of late. Um, so there's, you know, not happy think, things. Was this part of that tariff thing with the Trump administration in China? <laughs> I have no, uh, <laughs> they had to limit the Kamara thing. That was, the, that was yeah, how it works. Yeah. It's a limit on Kamara's. You can only have, you know, they thought they were getting Kai Kamara and they got Ola, Ola and they're mad. They were confused. That's what it was. No, Ola Kamara goes, uh, you know, to China, uh, was supposed to receive a $3 million salary, Kevin. So if he's, you know, seven months into his contract, whatever, uh, then you can figure he made about 1.5 million of his 3 million and the galaxy were only paying him. Uh, or only, I should say, in Major League Soccer, it's actually a lot of money. The Galaxy were paying him $925,000 per year. He had guaranteed two years with an option on a third. This would have been the end of his second year, so technically he would have been optioned uh, here at the uh, the end of this season, but uh, we heard before the season started, and remember it was right before the season started, that Ola Kamara uh, and his agent had found some interest in China, um, and that he moved there because he wanted to go there, and the LA Galaxy weren't going to stand in his way, even though it was obviously a, a little inconvenience for them. Although 
I call a little BS on the inconvenience part only because uh, the LA Galaxy ended up getting a ton of roster flexibility with that transfer. Uh, the ability to tra- to uh, convert some of that $3.5 million into general allocation money meant players like Joe Corona came in. Uh, I believe the loan for Fabio Alvarez eventually was also uh, one of those that probably ended up being money spent um, on from the Ola Kamara deal. Uh, there's probably some other players on, the, on, on this team that are on this team because of this Ola Kamara deal. So the Galaxy gained a whole bunch of flexibility with Giovanni Dos Santos, uh, you know, them uh, them, them uh, doing the buyout on Gio and this Ola Kamara thing. Don't be surprised. I mean, don't be swayed by, by any other arguments. What's going on is Dennis DeClosa and Guillermo Berescoloto have a blueprint. They know what they want the final product to look like. And you see things like, you know, the new academy director and Junior Gonzalez taking over at, at the Galaxy 2. They, there is a blueprint. There is a, they know what they want this team to look like at the end of the day. And it's a team that includes people like Uriel Antuna and Fabio Alvarez and Christian Pavone, who we'll talk about in a bit. That's where they're going. And, and when they got rid of Ola Kamara, I think there's probably some argument that, you know, Ola might fit in with this, uh, you know, makeover. But he's more valuable as far as getting cash. So we can go out and, like you said, get Giancarlo Gonzalez, get uh, um, Polenta get and and be able to afford to pay Joe Corona. So you know they turned Ola Kamara into about like four different players, and that was much more important to them than keeping him. Who you know when they get the offense they want, he might not fit in there anyway. So this was all part of the master plan. The only part of the master plan that doesn't fit is is Slatan. He, I don't think I, I'm fairly sure his days here are numbered because he doesn't fit into this kind of style that Guillermo eventually wants to play. So my feeling is this is probably his last year and. The Pavone uh, salary will come out of the $7.2 million they save when Zlatan moves on. But, yeah, there is a blueprint. There is a, a master plan of how they want this to look, and Ola was, simp- was sacrificed for that. I mean, that, that's my feeling. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think we the simplest answer, if we're going to go simplest answer is always correct, is that Ola Kamara wanted more money. He knew he could get it in China. He wanted the move, and the Galaxy were fine with that because they knew that they could get a whole bunch of roster flexibility in it. I will say this, though, however. If you keep Ola Kamara as your striking option, right, and you want to play a 4-3-3, he fits into a 4-3-3 way better than Zlatan Ibrahimovic would ever fit into a 4-3-3. And if you could have Pavone and Alessandrini on either side of Ola Kamara as your top three, um, I have have to imagine that's one of the top three the one of the best top threes in major league soccer so you know the the fact that Ola Kamara looks like he's going to be signing with DC United which by the way the only reason that this seems to be coming up right now is because Wayne Rooney uh that Wayne Rooney that 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 one guy Manchester United Wayne Rooney uh Everton Wayne Rooney uh DC United Wayne Rooney seems like he is very much considering going back to Derby County to be a player or coach. Or Burnley. Or Burnley. Or Burnley. I thought, no, I'm pretty sure it's Darby County, isn't it? Or is it, or I is heard, it Burnley? I heard Burnley and Darby, either one. Either but, one. Um, okay, anyway. Yeah, it's the Stephen Gerrard School of Management. I, I was I was going to say it was. And if it's Darby County, then that was, you know, Frank Lampard, who was... Uh, who, Ashley Cole. Uh, yeah, who Frank Lampard, who was at Darby County with Ashley Cole, who almost made it to the promotion playoff. But anyway, it seems like he wants to go back and play um, Very and coach. Very cool logo for Derby County. In, in, in the championship. Uh, yeah. in, in England, by the way. So that's what that's happening. So uh, somebody actually brought up, they said, hey, this feels a lot like Yellow Van Damme. Uh, and I said, well, I go, to be honest, I, I felt like the situation with Yellow was that the LA Galaxy probably could have predicted that something like this might have happened uh, just with the sort of, uh, I'll, I'll say, unease in, in, the, in the familial relations around Yellow Van Damme. 
um, and and how that sort of went and how that sort of you know was going to you know transpire uh, here with Wayne Rooney. You know, seeing him come out and have tons of success, uh, be in DC United and, and and doing all the right things, scoring all the goals and ha- and doing all this stuff. It's it's interesting that he wants to bail. So. If the LA Galaxy, or excuse me, when the LA Galaxy travel to DC United on Sunday, they very well could be going up against a, D, a, a Wayne Rooney-less DC United uh, who had just signed Ola Kamar. Um, well, he is he is going back to England on Tuesday and is supposed to come back Wednesday and begin preparing for the Galaxy uh, game. We'll see if he comes back and we'll see if he's totally focused uh, on that. I mean, he's he talked about the Galaxy have to fly across country. And Wayne Rooney's going to be flying twice across an ocean in the span of 48 hours. So we'll see how... How he does with that? Yeah, it, it's a really interesting. I mean, why would you fly uh, across? You're not coming back. I mean, here's the deal: is that at least the transfer deadline on this side of things needs to be figured out from the DC United side because they need to bring in Ola Kamara, and whether they can do that with or without Wayne Rooney, I'm not sure if they have the funds for that or how that goes. But they really need a decision from Wayne Rooney by Wednesday. That's when this all closes, and quite honestly, that's when the LA Galaxy have to also announce Christian Pavone by Wednesday. Uh, or at least by Thursday, as long as they meet the deadline with the league on Wednesday, and whenever that d- deadline is, it's usually a central time deadline. So, but Wednesday, um, the seventh is when the transfer, the secondary transfer window closes in Major League Soccer. By the way, before we get too far away from Rooney, apparently the deal is it is very. We kind of mentioned it in, in jest, but it it sounds very much like a, a Steven Gerrard thing because remember when when Gerrard came here to play with the Galaxy, he had never played or really lived anywhere except Liverpool his entire life. Well, Rooney grew up in in you know Liverpool, Manchester area as well, and they have a you know his family has a twenty have a twenty six million dollar home near Manchester. Um, he has a wife and four kids, and they they apparently have they've been living with him in Bethesda, but just the strain of being away from that far away from England has been tough on them and tough on Wayne Rooney. Um, so that's why they're going home. I mean, it, it, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, you see so many players that play in so many different countries, like Ibra's played in what six or seven different countries and seems to adjust really well. But some of these English players, when they come over, um, just the draw of home, they're just not used. They're not comfortable being, being outside of England. Yeah. Um, Ashley Cole seemed to do it. Oh, seemed to be okay. And, and yeah. Robbie Keane didn't seem to have that much of a problem, but it's really been tough for those one team, one city guys. Yeah, it, it, it certainly has. Um, all right, let's go to Pavon now, though. We have to talk about this because uh, it seems like we may actually be coming to a head. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Christian Pavon, and I'm going to tell you things that are likely. If you follow me on Twitter, if you follow and read the article that I wrote or basically the update to the rumor I wrote on Corner of the Galaxy, ye- this is going to sound familiar, but I'm going to go over things that are likely, as in that likely have already happened or likely to happen, um, and so that way you can understand why Christian Pavone, who arrived in Los Angeles on Sunday morning to some LA Galaxy fans, it was actually leaked to uh, to some supporters groups, uh, that this is when he would be coming in. So all those things likely point to, to a deal will get done, but this is why, quote-unquote, a deal probably isn't completely done uh, in terms of everybody signed off, then they can announce it in league and everything else. So, yeah, yeah, but he's not going to fly 13 hours in the middle of his club season just because. No, I mean, no. You're not going to come this far unless you're, unless you're prepared to sign something. Well, here we go. Let's go over the the things that have likely already happened, and let's just let's go with that. Uh, the Galaxy likely already have a deal with Boca Juniors in place. Otherwise, Boca wouldn't have released Pavone to go talk to the LA Galaxy in the first place. So that's one thing that you could sort of check off and say that's probably done. Uh, the Galaxy probably have almost all of, if not all of, the deal with Pavone himself 
done and complete. Otherwise, he's not flying all the way to Los Angeles. He doesn't meet fans at the airport. He doesn't hold up the jersey. They make this very quiet, and it all goes away. So you can assume that that deal is done as well. So, Kevin, everybody asks, well, if the deal with Boca Juniors is done and the deal with Pavone is done, then why isn't the deal done? And it seems to be that the Galaxy is still working on the roster compliance side of things in terms of how do they bring Pavone legally into this LA Galaxy roster knowing that he either is going to be a designated player, which means you'd have to free up a designated player spot, or he's going to be a TAM player, which means that you need targeted allocation money as well. There's also, as you mentioned, Kevin, an international slot, although that one seems easily dealt with by sending somebody like... Triori, who seems like the likely guy in this position, uh, Triori down to Galaxy 2 for the rest of the season, and that opens up the international slot there. But the, this all seems to sort of hinge on some sort of allocation money that the LA Galaxy need to go out and get, and from the people I've been talking to, Kevin, it is not a small amount of allocation money. In fact, it's a number that almost you sort of drop my jaw when I heard it. And let's put it in around the $500,000 range. Let's say that that's correct uh, and that we trust that information, uh, which I seem to, to want to do. Um, it is it is maybe it's even closer to 600 uh, whenever you look at it. So there is a ridiculous amount of work that the Galaxy need to do in order to acquire that money uh, if they don't have it, and that seems to be what, what they're doing, and that's why you and I were talking about Dave Romney, we were talking about Dan Steris, and, you know, Emil Cuello, Ta- Ta- uh, Tomas Hilliard-Arce, um, you know, you can look at some of the prospects. I mean, you know, Julian Araujo, who you should never move and never do anything with um, because he is a domestic player and you want to play him for this LA Galaxy team, but... Um, you know, you're going to have to bleed a little bit, I, I imagine, if you're the LA Galaxy. It's going to hurt to do whatever you have to do in order to get a, a large figure of money. And and you have Alessandrini's contract there, who may be the guy that would be bought down with allocation money. I don't think you can move a guy while he's injured. I mean, who's going to pay for that? Yeah. Um, we don't know what his fitness level is. So it could be one of those Omar Gonzalez things, which is, remember how they got Gio in in the first place, is you take a guy who's a designated player, buy down his contract so he's no longer a DP, and then you can move somebody in there. That could be what they're working on. Here's the one thing, though, and, and you're right. I I threw the $600,000 figure out there uh, with somebody who is monitoring the talks for the Galaxy, and I was told that that might be a little bit high, but not by much. So it's probably at least half a million. Right. But, you know, this thing has been going on for a long time. I, I think one of the last hurdles was that apparently – um, well, first of all, Pavone wants to get out of Boca. He wants to be reunited with Guillermo. We we know that uh, he is falling out of favor in in Boca. What I've heard is that after he made the Argentine World Cup team, when he came back from the World Cup in uh, last summer, 2018, that um, he all of a sudden felt like he had arrived. He's 23. He felt like, hey, I played in the World Cup for Argentina. I'm pretty good. He stopped working. This is again. I don't have any of this confirmed. I never spoke to the guy, but from what I've heard, and people uh, from people in Argentina, he stopped. The, the perception was he stopped working, he stopped hustling, he stopped being the player he was. Uh, Guillermo left. Remember, at the end of that season, um, Pavone had always played well for him. So the feeling was uh, on the Boca side. Let's look. We're not going to get the forty million that we thought we were going to get from Arsenal now. Um, this guy is not fitting in our future plans. He, the fans are unhappy with him. Uh, Pavone felt like there wasn't a future there for him. He wanted to go be with Guillermo, the guy that he'd played well before. So that was all set up. And then at the last minute when the deal seemed to be ready to be consummated, the agent stepped in and, and wanted to have his say and wanted to, to make sure that, uh, that, you know, everything was the way he wanted it. So the agent sort of came in and blew things up at the end. But 
this is a deal that the Galaxy have been working on for months, not a month, for months, uh, back into the spring. This is somebody that's been on their radar for a long time. Guillermo went to DeClosa and said, this is the guy we want. we got to go get him. And then they've been actively talking for at least since the beginning of July. So I don't think Dennis would have put all this time, money, and effort. And this was their target. Everyone talked. There was a lot of talk for a while about a backup plan. What if this doesn't work? Where are they going to go? And there was talk about Galaxy giving Boca a deadline. None of that was ever true. This was the guy they wanted. This was the guy that they were all in on. And so I don't think Dennis goes this far down the road without – knowing that he has to to have options for these other things. He has to know how to get an international slot cleared. As you mentioned, that's pretty easy. But he knew how much how much allocation money this was going to take, or he had an idea. I think he knows where he's going to go to get it. He hasn't shown his hand yet because why tell Dave Romney or Dan Saris, hey, you know what, you're expendable. Why, or why tell the league that, hey, we think these guys are expendable. Why, why show your hand until you have to? So I think Dennis knows how he wants to, to finish this deal. I think he's just waiting to get to the point where he has to do it and show everybody what kind of cards he's holding. Yeah, well, I mean, there certainly is a – everybody in the league knows that the Galaxy are trying to bring in Pavone. So the price increase on all the stuff that they're asking for, you know, if you're asking for Tam, you know, whatever you whatever player you give up and whatever Tam you think is there, there's a negotiation and process for that. And the Galaxy are really sort of on the weaker side of things uh, in terms of that. Unless they can get multiple people willing to give them what they want and then play them off each other, that's really the only way to make your position a weakness be a little bit more of a strength. So all this has to happen, though, by Wednesday. Um, again, I'm not sure of the exact cutoff time on that transfer window, but... Uh, the Galaxy, and, and I don't know that they did this, but I would assume that it's it, it's somebody um, certainly close to that organization made sure that the supporters knew when Pavone's plane was coming in. Uh, they knew how they were, you know, there's a, there's a sense that everybody understands that this is going to get done, but it, it just hasn't been done yet. So the fact is that Pavone may not have signed the contract, which means that it's not a quote-unquote done deal because the Galaxy can't sign him until they can make it roster compliant and everything else. And that's why this deal isn't done. That's why it's sitting sort of, you know, inches from greatness and all this. You're, you're almost there. You're, you're close to the finish line, and you're just not quite there uh, yet. So uh, I think you and I are on the same page here, Kevin. It gets done. It gets done by the transfer deadline. Uh, Pavone is here. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts training with the, uh, with the club. Uh, as it goes, but until Wednesday, uh, and that goes off with the transfer deadline, it's not done. Granted, Kevin, you and I, it, it could be you know made official on Tuesday morning. Uh, you know, whenever this show is is probably obsolete after it was the same thing on Thursday, uh, which was as soon as the show is over, it's obsolete, and and probably check Twitter and make sure all those things. But we expect that Pavone gets done. It gets done here shortly, and that the LA Galaxy can move on, and and possibly Pavone is even available for the game against DC United. So I would not be surprised if he trained tomorrow, uh, even perhaps before the galaxy announced it. the galaxy are a little bit strange in in my in my dealings with them having dealt with other teams in mls and other sports too a lot of teams will tell you we have traded for christian pavone pending a physical or um you know the deal has been agreed on the papers haven't been signed they, they kind of tell you the galaxy is totally i don't think the galaxy have confirmed that the moon landing yet uh, i think the galaxy for whatever reason wait until the last second until everything uh, all the ink is dry i have actually been out to galaxy training and seen a player train when the galaxy tell me that they haven't signed him yet that's i wouldn't say that's common but it's happened repeatedly so i think this is one of the things where i would not again not be surprised to see him train tuesday or wednesday before the galaxy formally announced the deal and that's because they want to wait for the league to approve it and all these other things that are really 
you know, they, they can announce it earlier than that. Clearly, they, the Galaxy as an organization is very conservative, and they would not have told fans to go meet him at the airport if they th- thought that these photos would come back and embarrass them by Pavon getting back on a plane and flying home and not signing. They're, they're not going to allow those pictures to go up on Twitter unless they know for sure that this guy's going to play for them. Yeah, it seems likely. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's get to uh, the stats. We have some stat stuff here, Kevin. We have a little we bit do. of time, time we left. Do. We decided that we had we each dug up a whole bunch of stats in the galaxy and how they're related to each other. God only knows because we didn't share them with each other. Uh, but we have a whole bunch of stats, so we figured we'd just cram them into one segment so that way your eyes can glaze over and you can follow over. But our, our basic questions were, and, and these are the questions you should probably ask yourself as you're listening to this, is are the LA Galaxy a good team? Um, and are the LA Galaxy, let's see if I can actually get it. Okay, um, I, I missed my, I misplaced my whole thing where I was like, where are the, where are the notes that I actually wanted to say? Um, are the Galaxy a good team is really the, the best thing that we want to try to take from these notes, Kevin, is are the Galaxy a good team as we go through stats and, or are they a bad team? You know, are they inconsistent? What, what are you trying to get from the LA Galaxy as you listen to these numbers and what comes to mind as you're doing this? So, uh, I'll start off with mine. All right, I'm going to give you a, a couple here, and then we can uh, we can go from there. Uh, in 2018, the LA Galaxy took 25 games to get to 37 points. All right, so in 2019, the LA Galaxy took 23 games to get to 37 points. So basically, a two-game advantage there. Now, having said that, Kevin, um, 2018, I think we can all agree, wasn't a great team. Uh, they weren't even probably a good team. They were a bad team. So the fact that the LA Galaxy are just basically two games ahead of the, the same position they were last year, uh, it, in my mind, raises a question. Yeah. Um, it, and when you look at the way that they've gone up and down and up and down, and, and even Jonathan talked about that. He said it feels like last year when the Galaxy struggled for momentum. It, it, it kind of the he, – he used the term the ghost of last year seemed to be present again. Um, they just – they win and they lose. They had the four-game losing streak in May that we talked about. Didn't they, they lost their first four games in May. They had the um, five-game winning streak in March and April. But since then, it's basically been since June 2nd, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. Um, it's difficult to climb up the standings or to stay there when you do that. And I, I, I think he really hit on something when you talk about the fact that they have one draw. You know, that's the lowest <laughs> in MLS. Yeah. That, that – that is telling to me because, again, the 12 wins, only one team has more than that. The 10 losses, half the league has fewer than 10 losses. So are the Galaxy a good team? 12 wins would tell you, yeah, they're right at the top of the league. Are they a bad team? 10 losses, you know, uh, they should be at the bottom of the standings. 30 goals. Only yeah. three teams have fewer than 30 goals. Um, their goal differential, minus four. Um, I mean, 34 goals given up is not a bad total, but the goal differential of minus four is horrible. So uh, – I will say the one thing that the the real saving grace, and they played without Zlatan in in this game. If they can just get to the playoffs, when you look at some of the games that they've had this year, the the LAFC game. If you buy the argument, and the standings would seem to indicate that LAFC is the best team in the league, the Galaxy with their record struggling a little bit. The Galaxy win that game. There's been other games that they have played super well. If they can, they have the ability to turn it apparently to turn it on at times if they get to the playoffs i think they're going to be one of the most dangerous teams in the playoffs as dan kennedy said the other day nobody wants to face this galaxy team you know you know a one game knockout round so are they good are they bad i mean they could easily 
finish with a losing record, and if they make the playoffs, they could win MLS Cup. I yeah. could totally see that happening. Yeah, I was. Gonna, do I need to come over there and take a clicky pen out of your hand? Is is that is that? The wow, word? you really hear that? Yes, like, of course. It's wow. recording. It hears everything, Kevin. What? Do you, this it's like it's your first podcast. All right, uh, piggybacking. Is this a podcast? Sometimes it's just a conversation between two people who's then broadcast and, and people then yell and scream about. Uh, Galaxy are on track right now to score forty four point three goals. The Galaxy are on track to allow fifty point three goals. Uh, the current prediction has them at a minus six goal differential. Uh, the Galaxy have been held scoreless for the last two hundred minutes, uh, and they lost consecutive games for only the second time all year. So you point out that the Galaxy two consecutive shutouts for the second time this year as well. That is. That is true. Um, the the LA Galaxy uh, had the four-game losing streak. So if you take that as one block, then outside of that, the only other time the Galaxy have lost two games in a row is this last two games. Um, and so certainly that's something. The the goal differential I was talking about, the Galaxy currently have the fourth worst goal differential in club history. Uh, it was minus 22 in 2017 it's it was minus 10 in 2011 or 2007 it was minus 7 in 2008 in 2019 it's minus 4 and in 2005 it was minus 1 and those are the only times the LA Galaxy have ever finished with a negative goal differential in their 24 year history now they still have a chance to obviously come back from their minus four they're at right now in 2019. But as they currently stand, I said, you know, I'm predicting sort of a minus six goal differential if you uh, if you go ahead and, and try to predict out all these things. Uh, staying on the goal storing stuff, the Galaxy currently have scored 30 less goals than last year. All right, they've scored 36 goals this year. Uh, they have 66, or they, they scored 66 in 2018. All right. That's a, that's a that's a huge difference. Uh, but the Galaxy are also currently have allowed 30 goals less than last year. They allowed 64 in 2018, uh, and they are currently have allowed 34 in 2019. So but they got 11 games to go, so they got a shot. They do have a shot, and that's sort of uh, one of those things. You talk about the 11 games though, with the Galaxy averaging 1.61 points per game right now. Uh, that means that if you take that times their 11 games they have remaining, they they should score seven or they should uh, get 17.71 points out of the next 11 games, which means they would finish with 54 or 55 points, which would only be Kevin a six point improvement from last year. But all the models seem to say if you get 50 points, you're in the playoffs, especially with seven teams going. You would think, but that that's certainly, and, and by the way, this this goes to where the LA Galaxy currently stand in the standings. In the Western Conference, they're currently in fifth. It's the second lowest they've been in the conference. Uh, in the second week of the season, they were at eighth in the Western Conference, okay? So the second game of the season, they were, uh, they were eighth after that second game. Then after the third and fourth games, they were fifth. So they actually improved from the eighth to the fifth. So they're now tied with that. Ever since then, it's basically been second or third for the LA Galaxy the entire year um, in that Western Conference. So this, this where they're at right now is currently, you know, technically their second worst position all year in the Western Conference. And it also puts them in a position, Kevin, where they didn't finish in the top four. So they don't have, you know, either if you finish top one, you're, you get the first round by. And if you're in the top four, so positions basically two through two, three, and four, that means you have, you host the playoff game, uh, that first playoff game that you're going to be put in as well. I, I, I don't know if that makes a huge difference for this Galaxy team. Because of their inconsistency, they've been equally as good and equally as bad home and road. I mean, they've, they've played some really good games on the road and some real dogs and same thing at home. I mean, they lost Colorado at home, you know, so I'm not so sure the the uh, home or road is a huge deal for them. But, you know, the other thing is, is we could see Pallone in the lineup by Sunday. How much does that change the team? 
or or does it change it at all? I mean, that's that's sort of a question too. Here, I'll, I'll I have one more. Literally, I think I did all my stats after this one. But uh, the home points, the Galaxy are six points below their yearly average at home right now. So they average about thirty points at home over their twenty four seasons. Okay, right now they have twenty four points, which basically means that they have. Uh, let's see, there are five home games left. They have five home games to to sort of raise that six points to get to their average, which you I think you'd expect them to do. So that's not nothing that's that's sort of the way. Uh, the away points the galaxy needs seven points from six games just to tie last year's away point total uh they have 13 points versus 20 points um that they had last year on the road um and so they're currently right now sitting on their franchise average the galaxy averaged 1.21 points per game on the road over their 24 seasons and right now they are sitting at 1.18 so just slightly below it basically right on top of it which means that you know in terms of their about average on both of these they're an average average team both home and away right now whenever you look at you know their points per game at home and their points per game uh, away and uh, I should point out the Galaxy have four more games in August the Galaxy have six games in September one game in October total of 11 games remaining five home games six away games uh, so it'll be even five and five after the LA Galaxy play uh, this game in DC United on Sunday but yes they can still lift that Lakes Cup which is as we know really important <laughs> i saw some tweets that said you know the worse the galaxy get in major league that they were talking about after the atlanta game they said the worse the galaxy get the more i want that league's cup championship yeah exactly <laughs> raise a cup they want hardware i still think uh there's no reason for the la galaxy to take that uh, they, again it'll be the second team uh, again i remember dave romney talking to him after the win over uh tijuana and he was like hey uh we told him when the schedule was and how busy it was and he goes great that means i'm gonna get to play in that game again and so and he scored a goal guys. and he and for his own team. That's right. So he's uh he's been he's, he's been on a goal scoring streak. He's he's a man on a mission for sure. All right. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. If there's anything else? We've sort of covered the standings with you. We've covered the the overall schedule in basic terms. Let's get to this question and then let's get on out of here. Uh, let's see. Mamita Mommy, I believe, is how the screen name is actually read. Uh, the uh, the email goes, Hey, Josh, question for the podcast. Do you think that some of these contracts we have lingering from Chris Klein, Pete Vianis days, are haunting us in, the GB, in that GBS can't create the kind of team he wants and has to work with a hybrid of players he's looking for in the future, but hampered with players from before he came? Do you think any of this plays ooh, into ooh, why ooh, we're ooh, so inconsistent? I know, I know the answer to that question. I know the answer to that Mr. Kevin Baxter. Yes, the answer is yes, yes. Absolutely. absolutely. It's just it's um, and that's why Ola Kamara um had to go. I think it, as you w- well pointed out, he would have fit in the offense, but they needed the money more than they needed him. Yes, absolutely. Um, this, this Shelvick deal is a is a big one. Yep. For example, here's a guy who's not even playing regularly, and he's costing them a million dollars a year. Um, I, I'm not so sure Janino was somebody that uh, fit into what they were trying to do. Um, well, they went know, out. They're, they're, they went out and got him though, so that's a DTK deal. All right, they went out and got Junior. I'll tell you the other one is Perry Kitchen. Perry yeah. Kitchen, expensive contract, not necessarily. I don't know that he fits in with what Guillermo's trying to do. Yeah, I, I I do think there's probably three or four guys you can look at. I mean, there's other guys there that are serviceable, that are useful, that you're not going to build a, like, like a Servando Carrasco. I think he's a very useful guy. You're not going to build the team around him. I don't think, uh, you know, they would have gone out to get him, but I think they're happy to have him because he fits what they're trying to do. But yeah, I do think that there are a lot of players. I mean, we've seen the thing with Romney, and again, I'm a big Romney guy. Uh, nothing bad to say about Dave, but he clearly is in Guillermo's doghouse, uh, is not a guy that has a future here. And, and and so that's a contract. I don't know you can really put that one on Klein and Pete Vianis and say that was a bad one, but Shelvick, Kitchen, uh, yeah, I think there's there's more than a couple. 
Yeah, there, there seem to be. And I think that's the case anytime anybody comes into a situation like this where you come in and the, a team has been built for a certain purpose by a different person. Uh, Siggy Schmidt went out and made some changes. Remember, there were a whole bunch of changes year over year from 2017 to 2018. Uh, Bruce were- made 21 changes, his first winner here. And then you look at Jose Mourinho at Manchester United. You know, came in and Bastian Feinsteiger never got uh, to play. They yeah. went out and got Pogba. And, you know, it spent all that money on him. And the coach before it spent a ton of money to get other players. So, yeah, it, it it and it seems to be more in soccer than any other sport, and I guess that's because the style of play, uh, you know, in baseball it's hit the ball over the fence. Everyone can pretty much do that when you come in. You may tweak things a little bit, but in soccer it, it does seem to be when the new coach comes in with a different style of play, it's a complete overhaul, and that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, we will, and I think that as those contracts expire, uh, I believe Jorgen Shelvick's contract is up at the end of this year, uh, you're going to see the LA Galaxy move on from that, and that obviously clears up some cap space uh, and some targeted allocation money, and so you know they'll be able to go out and do it. This was always... Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, you look at, you know, that they went with Kurt Anolfo and ended up firing him, you know, when he doesn't even get a full season. Uh, Siggy Schmidt comes in and takes over for Anolfo and then works around but gets fired before the end of the season. And so he doesn't get to work his plan either. Um, so now you're looking at Guillermo Barra-Scalotto. I mean, Scalotto and Dennis DeClosa even said this in, in an article, I think, that was in The Athletic not too long ago. He said, um, you know, basically, you have to have some short-term success. That way you can stick around long enough to have long-term success. And so that's what the Galaxy you're trying to do there's this balance of short term and long term but they clearly have a long term Kevin as you've said roadmap uh, that they're trying to work on and the style of play that they want to do and they're going to make decisions based off of those styles and, and that roadmap um, and that might mean that it's not a perfect fit this year and you would hope that all the pieces fall together next year for what they're trying to do uh, Christian Pavone seems like it's more of a long term thing or at least it's a two or three year deal um, you know in terms of what they want to expect from him and, and what they have if they can eventually and I think we're, we've agreed it's it's a loan with an option to buy at some point um and so having said all that that's that's where what we're looking at well yeah you're and it's interesting because a lot of time has said all year talking about the european model i don't want to finish fifth or sixth i don't want to just make the playoffs i want to win the conference i want to finish atop the conference guillermo hasn't said that even once guillermo has talked from the very first day about we're going to make the playoffs we need to make the playoffs we want to make the playoffs so that that tells you right there. You know, it's a lot of time. It's all or nothing. This is probably his last season here. I think he wants to go out a winner. He's very interested in having the best record possible. Guillermo's being much more sort of uh, um, uh, understanding that this is a process. But the last thing they want is to miss the playoffs for a third straight season. Uh, Guillermo's smart enough to know what that means in the history of the Galaxy franchise. He needs to get the playoffs. Now, if they lose when they get there, that's not fine. But it's that's not a death knell. Uh, not making the playoffs would be a huge blow to the momentum they're trying to build. So I think getting to the playoffs, maybe winning that first game and getting a little bit of a taste of the postseason, that's really important to the team. Well, so I think, and I think you're going to see them really push for that down the stretch. Guillermo has been uh, not relaxed, but all season long it has been that, hey, we're just going to get to the playoffs. We're going to get to the playoffs. Now, with them falling to fifth, I think there are some warning bells going off. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some people asking if, you know, Scarlotta should be on the hot seat. And, and no, I, I can't know. And I say no, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if you don't have success in Major League Soccer with the LA Galaxy, you're always going to be on the quote unquote hot seat. But you can't keep firing people and not letting plans evolve. And you need to let somebody have some time to get this done. And Guillermo needs to be that guy, I think. Uh, the pairing with Dennis DeClosa seems to make a whole bunch of sense. Uh, they seem to be working together, correct, you know, well. Um, 
Um, I think there's going to be hits and misses from them. I think that, you know, Fabio Alvarez is sort of borderline right now on whether or not he's a hit or a miss, but he's alone. So I don't think you sit there and say, oh, well, you know, the Galaxy tied their hands long term. I mean, Dennis so far seems to have been pretty smart on the gambles and risks that he's willing to take. And some of those lone guys like Antuna, um, you know, like Fabio Alvarez, that's those those aren't huge, you know, risks for the L.A. Galaxy. This Those were sort of, hey, let's win sort of now. Um, and if these guys can help us, that's great. And if not, then we can get somebody next season. Um, so maybe not win now, but, you know, have a little patience within, you know, the gambles that they're making. And so far, you know, outside of this Pavone thing, which I do think is a gamble for the LA Galaxy, um, this is a guy who is not in form uh, and you're hoping can regain the form that he had, you know, in Argentina and and that was so successful and that garnered, po- you know, possibly $40 million bids from English Premier League teams. Um, so if you can regain that, it's a huge upside gamble and he could be, you know, one of the best players in Major League Soccer and he could tear it up and he could be Roman Alessandrini basically on steroids and come in and just tear everything apart. He also could fail to adjust to the United States, fail to regain any sort of form. He may have peaked early and that's all you're ever going to see. There is yeah. a, there's a gamble here. Yeah, that Ars- that $40 million Arsenal player, that's not this guy. This is a different player, but I, the, the comfort level that he has with Guillermo, I think uh, it could make that thing happen. The other part you talked about where he could just tear up MLS. And when you talk about contracts that inherited, you just mentioned Alessandrini. I think that's probably a guy Guillermo and, and, and Dennis both talked about how they think he's a good player, but I don't know that he fits in with with uh, what they're trying to do. Gio was another guy and they cut bait on him and, and, you know, credit to management. They spent a lot of money to get rid of Gio. He was a guy that didn't fit in what they were trying to do either. So, um, and, and then again, mentioning Gio, when you look at all the money the galaxy was spent to sort of start this blueprint, start the, 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 uh, the rebuild that Guillermo and Dennis want. That's why I don't think he's on the hot seat. Dennis has talked about a two to three year plan. Um, I think Guillermo is about as safe as any coach in MLS right now. Um, I think he's okay. If, if they don't make the playoffs, that'll be a big blow, but it's not going to hurt his job future in the short term. Now, if they're in the, if they're in fifth or sixth place in the middle of next season, then maybe things change a little bit, but you got to give the guy a chance to put the team together that, that he wants, that he's comfortable with. He doesn't have that team right now. Yeah, he doesn't. And, uh, and the galaxy show it again, inconsistent. I don't know if our stats helped. Uh, I think what they proved was the galaxy are an inconsistent team. I don't know. They can be one of the best teams in major league soccer. Uh, if not the best team in major league soccer, the way they played against LAFC was, was dominant, you know, across, you know, most of that game. So, uh, for, for me, it's, you see that and say, okay, you know, there's flashes there, um, but you've also seen them just play horribly against, you know, teams like Colorado Portland, and Portland. You, what those numbers really showed to me is that you have a calculator. <laughs> yeah, that I have too much time on my hands. That's what it. That's well, that what, too. Yeah. We, all, we all knew that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, How just, many games are you going to miss coming up? Uh, three. I'm missing three yeah. home games thanks to the condensed One, schedule. One, two, three. Yes, very quickly. All I'm only gone for nine days, but somehow I missed three home games. So uh, poor planning on my part. My wife and I are actually going back east so she can visit her family before she's on the no-fly list because she's pregnant and they won't. You're not supposed to fly after that. Uh, I think during the third trimester. So we have to make the cutoff. So I will be back east in all of its humidity and glory. Uh, no, I will not get to go to the D.C. United game because that was the one thing I wanted to have happen, but that didn't happen. So, so I, instead, I get to miss three home games and no D.C. United game. So The lo- the lovely and, and talented Michaela's pregnant. Yes, yeah, everybody knows do that. You, 
Do you guys know who did that? Yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure it was me. So oh, okay. <laughs> that's. Well, well, I guess we'll find out. But, but we're yeah. gonna find out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right now, we're gonna go on the assumption that it was me. But yeah, everybody knows uh, she's due in December, so um, sort of going towards that. But that means Ooh, that off-season birth. Exactly, because I because I planned it correctly, Kevin, because I'm a good podcaster and a good you know MLS reporter, and I do the, I do things correctly. The uh, super draft. Yeah, you might have to miss the I'm, super draft. Oh darn! Whatever, whatever could happen. But what that means is basically that there probably won't. I'm gonna miss probably two podcasts uh next week as well so um we'll see if i end up doing anything on the road um while i'm there and it might just be like a little solo show that i've done basically when i was in atlanta or stuff like that maybe i'll still you're, be able to you're update cutting you. the panda out yeah yeah there'll be no panda wow there, one is i'm not taking you with me and two is um that uh it's 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 just easier for me to do it by myself Here's what i have to say to that yeah i figured clicky click 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 yeah i know this is i can also play that game i have a mute button over here so we can make that happen all right uh anything else you want to talk about you good do we are we done? I think so. Uh, we, should, quick, we should do a pod sometime. We every once in a while we'll we'll do that. Uh, let's see. On Thursday night, uh, the hammer is uh, had to see Weird Al at the fair. If you can believe that ridiculous excuse, uh, but I have a great replacement. So, uh, so Delmi will be back in. Uh, she'll be she'll be making her return to the corner of the Galaxy Studios. So make sure you're tuning in Thursday live show 7 p.m. Uh, you'll want to catch that as well. So that's all I have on on terms of show news and stuff like that. So are you good? Uh, I guess. Okay, you're good. That's that's it. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11, or you can head on over to latimes.com, where you can get all of his coverage of soccer in Southern California and around the United States as well. So uh, make sure you check it out, latimes.com and at kbaxter11. All right, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jguessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our videos, podcasts, stories, articles, recaps, previews, all that stuff right there on cornerofthegalaxy.com as well as our merchandise. Buy any of our scarves, any of our t-shirts can be found in the shop button right there. Uh, coasters, stickers, all that fun stuff is right there. All right. For the pandem self, Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Pato Josh Gessman, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everyone.